what a gift it is to have this time now to turn our attention to the Word of God. And I, I do want you to know, on Time Change Sunday, we are so glad that you are here. Why don't you turn to somebody around you and say, you made it. You made it. We're glad you made it. We're so thankful that you're here. Let me encourage you, if you would now, go ahead and grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, one of the early churches, the church in Ephesus. We gave a little background on this last week. We've just started a brand new series walking through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to pick up right where we left off last Sunday after our introduction sermon. That was Ephesians 1, 1 through 6. Today we're going to pick up in verse 7. So as you're turning there, I do want to let you know about some that's happening tonight right here in this room for, for all the ladies in the house and all the ladies that you would like to invite. We've got a very special night that is called Breathe. This is a night of worship. It's a night of fellowship. It's going to be a night of story. It's going to be a night where God does a tremendous work among the ladies of the church here at Shades. And this is a really, really awesome opportunity to invite somebody to join you. So there's going to be coffee and fellowship fellowship at five o'clock in the lobby, and then the service is going to start at six o'clock tonight. So ladies, we'd love for you to be back here in the room this evening, and we'd love for you to bring somebody with you to experience this very special, special night together. Let, let me encourage you now, if you would, to stand back up with me. I know you just got comfortable being seated there, but we, we stand for the reading of God's Word that we all can be reminded that the Word of God is the foundation for the people of God. The Word of God is the foundation for the church of Jesus Christ. So if we're not standing on the Word of God, we're not the church of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is what God lays before us and says, this is right, this is good, this is true. This is what you need to hear. This is what I need to hear. So we stand to be reminded of the, the sacred gift that is the word of God, the, the, the beautiful blessing that is the word of God that speaks life and speaks truth to those who are willing to listen. So let's consider the word of the Lord together. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 7. Speaking of Jesus, and it says here, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and on earth. A very beautiful, very important passage of scripture in the word of God that invites us into a celebration of who God is, and what he has made available to us through Christ. So as we stand, let's pray that God would use this time to speak into our lives before we're seated. Father, we, we look to you. We stand before you, needing to hear from you. 
And Father, in the midst of all that is going on around us and all that is swirling around in the world today, we, we recognize that there, there are so many ways that we can be confused, we can be distracted, we can be caught off guard, we can be overwhelmed, we can feel stressed, we can feel worried, we can feel fearful. And there's a lot of voices fighting for our attention and telling us what we should do and how we should live and what we should believe. And so, Lord, as we gather in the name of Jesus, which is what we do here as a church, we gather in the name of Jesus. We, we ask you in the power of your spirit to come now and to speak to us because we want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you say is true. We want to hear what you know we need to hear. So I pray, Lord God, that you would have your way among us. Use this time for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. As we are still getting into this study of Ephesians, these first 14 verses that we're actually taking three weeks to walk through, many commentators say of these first 14 verses that this is a song of celebration from the Apostle Paul. This is a proclamation of good news that is meant to invite us into a celebration of who God is, what he has done for his church, and then what he invites us to be about as his church. This is a celebration of good news. You hear us talk about the gospel. You hear the church talk about the gospel. You hear the word of God talk about the gospel. The gospel is good news. And so what we celebrate here as we walk through these verses is we celebrate the good news of the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done. And we see that the Apostle Paul is saying, look, there are, there are some very important aspects of the gospel that you must understand to be invited into this celebration. You must understand that, that in him, in Christ, we have been given these beautiful gifts that invite us to see the good news and should alter and change the way we view the world, the world and how we respond to what God has done. Verses 7 and 8, there are three specific tenets of the gospel that are mentioned very clearly. I want to spend a little bit of time on each of these. The scripture says in him, we, we have these three things, these three gifts given to us that, that are the good news of the work of Jesus. In him, we have the gift of redemption, the scripture says. In him, we have the gift of forgiveness, the scripture says. And in him, we have the gift of his grace. So let's just break these down one at a time. And I realize if you've been in the church for much of your life, you would say, well, hey, this is basic stuff. This is foundational stuff. But the question is, is it really guiding the way we live our lives? The question is, is it really the foundation of who we are? And if you're new to Bible study, 
Or, or maybe you're new to shades or maybe you're joining online and you're, you're trying to determine what is it that you believe as it relates to a relationship with God and, and what the word of God means for you. Well, it's, it's such a great Sunday for you to be joining us because this is the foundation of the gospel. That in him, we have redemption through his blood. That's the first thing. Let's, let's dive into this for a moment. What does this mean? Redemption through his blood. Well, redemption can be defined as ransoming someone from captivity or rescuing someone from the bondage of slavery. That's a serious topic. Ransoming someone from captivity or rescuing someone from the bondage of slavery. A, a ransom is a price that is paid to release someone or to set them free. Now, one of, one of my all-time favorite movies is a movie that's about 20 years old, and the movie is called Man on Fire. It stars Denzel Washington. It's an incredible Denzel movie, if you're a fan of Denzel. Now, it is rough. It's, it's a violent movie. It's, it's the story of, of Denzel playing a bodyguard for a wealthy family in Mexico City, and their, their young daughter, Lupita, is kidnapped and held for ransom. And so Denzel goes on a mission, and he is going to eliminate everyone who was involved in the kidnapping, and it's Denzel doing what Denzel does. It's awesome. Just telling you. All the bad guys get taken out by Denzel. And I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you. After all, it's 20 years old. Don't act like you're going to go watch it for the first time tonight. At the end of the movie, he gets the girl back. But as Denzel rescues this little girl who's been kidnapped, he's arranging for the exchange to get her back to her family. And he's on the phone with these kidnappers, these evil men who have taken this little girl from their family. And the kidnapper says to Denzel, your life for her life. Your life for her life. And so the very end of the movie is this dramatic scene as the kidnappers park their vehicle on one side of a bridge and Denzel pulls up in his car on the other side of this bridge and he begins to walk across the bridge to where the little girl is being held hostage and they release her and she runs and she gives him a hug and he says, now go back to your mom and she runs back to her mom and Denzel walks across the bridge to get into the car and you know he's being taken away to be killed. Your life for her life. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of a price that was paid so that someone could be set free. Do you recognize the gift of redemption? Do you recognize the price that has been paid so that you can be truly set free? For in him, we have redemption through his blood. Jesus gave his life. He, he shed his blood. He hung on a cross in a violent, horrific, torturous, agonizing death so that you and I could be set free in him. We have the redemption through his blood. 
that pays the price that our sin deserves and, and rescues us, ransoms us so that we can be set free. Turn with me, if you will, real quickly to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, another letter written by the Apostle Paul to another one of the early churches, this church in Rome, hence the name. And we see here in Romans chapter 6, verse 20, this incredible statement about redemption and the price that is paid so that we can be set free. It says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruits were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Paul's talking about a life before Christ. A life before Christ is a life that is in bondage to sin. A life that is held captive by sin. And the things of sin in our lives, they only lead one direction. They only want lead to one thing. They lead to death. Sin leads to death. It leads to separation from God. But then the scripture continues. But now that you have been set free, you have been redeemed, you have been ransomed, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For you see, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The, the thing that we earn in our sin is death. The thing that we deserve in our sin is death. Death is the price that must be paid for sin. And so death is the ransom that Jesus paid so that you and I could be redeemed through his blood. We sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. In him, there is redemption through his blood. How does that impact the way you view the world? How does it impact the way you Live your life? How does that impact the way you deal with stress and worry and fear? In Him, in Him, there is redemption through His blood. Secondly, we go back to the scripture and we see in this good news of the gospel, in Him we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. In Him we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now I realize, you, again, you may be saying, hey, forgiveness, that's, that's a word I'm familiar with. That's a word I know about. That's a word that we talk about in the church. It's central to the Christian message. It's central to understanding the, the gift that Jesus provides. Yes, he forgives our sins. But let me just stop and ask you a very simple question. Do you truly believe that you have been totally completely, fully forgiven? 
You may say, yes, of course, of course, I believe. I've been forgiven. I mean, again, that's the good news of what Christ has done. Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever find yourself drifting back to guilt and shame over the things that you've done in your past? Do you ever find yourself reliving and rehashing the mistakes you've made and the, the failures of your life? Do you, do you ever feel overwhelmed with regret and find yourself trying to make penance for the things that you have done? Do you ever feel like it's really hard to move on? From the things in your story that you're not proud of, from, from that, that shame that you feel over the things that you have done. If you would answer yes to any of that, let the word of God, let the word of God just speak forgiveness over you and listen to the language of forgiveness used all throughout the scripture. Let me start in the Old Testament. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Jeremiah 31, 34, for I will forgive their inequity and I will remember, listen to this, I will remember their sins no more. Micah 7, 18 and 19, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and listen to this language and to cleanse us from all all from all unrighteousness. Are you living your life like you are truly, fully, and completely forgiven? For the word of God wants us to see the true power of forgiveness. And when the word of God talks about forgiveness, the word of God makes it clear that forgiveness is for all of our sin once and for all. Total and complete forgiveness. So why are you reliving and rehashing what God has forgiven and why, why are you holding against yourself things that God refuses to hold against you? Why are you inviting guilt and shame to consume your thoughts when in him we have forgiveness of our trespasses? The debt has been paid. I mean, I think about the celebration that families experience when they are able to pay off their mortgage. That's something I've never experienced. I'm sure it's awesome. 
I hope and pray it happens in our household someday. But from what I see, when someone pays off their mortgage, they don't continue to write a monthly check to the bank. Hey, thank you so much for giving us this loan. And because you gave us that loan and we couldn't afford our house on our own, we just want to keep sending you money every week. Even though the debt's been paid for, we just want to keep on sending you money. No, that's crazy. Pay off the mortgage, tear it up, burn it, throw a party, be done with it. The debt is paid. It's over. When the word of God talks about forgiveness, the word of God wants us to see the freedom that we have been invited into. If we are in Christ, our sin has been paid for once and for all. In him, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. And then the scripture goes on, verses seven and eight. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, in him, we have the riches of his grace. The grace of God is a well that never runs dry. There is no limit and there is no limitation on the grace of God. The riches of God's grace never run out. That's why Paul can make this audacious claim in Romans chapter five, verse 20. This statement the apostle Paul makes, it's absolutely shocking. He says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, listen to this, grace abounded all the more. The riches of his grace never run out. Now, I realize that this illustration that I'm about to share is going to be somewhat limiting to, to my generation, but, but if you're a child of the 80s or the 90s, or you had a child in the 80s or the 90s, or perhaps you had a grandchild in the 80s or the 90s, there's a pretty good chance that that child had a Nintendo. Anybody have a Nintendo in the room, or anybody in your family have a Nintendo? Come on, right, right, hands, anybody? I mean, like, help me out a little bit. Okay, good. There's some Nintendo people. All right. So my brothers and I had Nintendo. We played a lot. We had some awesome games. I mean, of course, Mario Brothers, Zelda, you know, the basics. But we had Tech Mobile. It was amazing. We had Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. My, my wife, Megan, claims that she beat Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I'm not sure if it's true. I wasn't there. But she, she claims that. And, you know, more power to you, babe. We, we have to call Megan Nintendo Power in our house that's just the nickname she goes by. It's a joke. You can laugh. People, it's okay. She's laughing. It's fine. We're all good. But my favorite game of all the games in Nintendo was a game called Contra. Anybody hear of the game Contra? Play Contra? All right. Contra was a military game. This, this is it right here. It's an awesome game. But here's the deal. Contra was a hard game. Had a lot of levels. And you only had three lives. But there was a, a glitch in the game. The creators of the game, they, they put a code in the game that would allow you to have unlimited lives so that you could stay alive throughout the entire game, get to the end and beat the game. And they intended, I've actually read about this. You can look it up it's on the internet. It means it's true. I read about this. Uh, they intended to remove that code from the game, but they forgot before they released the game. And so when you would pull out your cartridge and you'd blow on it to get all the dust out of it and you'd stick it in your Nintendo and you'd press power, 
If you very quickly, when the Contra thing flashed up, if you very quickly would, would do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start, that was the code, you would get unlimited lives in the game of Contra. And when you have unlimited lives in the game of Contra, you don't have to worry about getting shot. You don't have to worry about dying. You don't have to be afraid and, and be cautious. You can, you can run free in this game and you can keep on going because if something happens, you, you've got another life. You're good to go. And I just wonder, I just wonder how many of us would be living in a very different manner if we truly believe that the grace of God is a well that never runs dry. How much freedom would you truly have if you believe that the riches of God's grace are a treasury that will never run out? That where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. That doesn't mean so go out and sin and just do whatever you want and then just try to force God to, to give you more grace. That's not what that's about at all. What it means is when you stumble, when you fall, when you have sin, when you make mistakes, you don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live afraid. You don't have to be consumed with worry and self-doubt and self-hatred. No, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, which means if you are in Christ, you are free. For there is a well that never runs dry. The amazing grace of God, the riches of his grace invite you and invite me to live as one who has been set Free. This is the good news of the gospel. And look at where the scripture goes next because this is absolutely beautiful. Ephesians chapter one, verses nine and 10 then says, after laying out the beautiful good news of the gospel, it says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, as I was preparing for this sermon, I will confess to you, studying for these two specific verses is very overwhelming. Because there's no way that, that, that myself or any other pastor whoever preaches through this text could adequately emphasize how powerful these verses are as it relates to the sovereignty and authority of God. Do you know what these verses are saying? The word of God is showing us here that the mystery of the will of God God's purpose in his will and his plan for his creation in the fullness of time is all revealed in Christ. Everything about God's will, everything about God's purpose, everything about God's design for creation from the fullness of time is all intended to point us to Jesus. Jesus is the point. 
The finished work of Christ at the cross, please hear this, is the focal point for all of history, for all of creation. And in creation, it all is to point back to the eternal hope that we have, that Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the invitation to be united with God forevermore. It all points to Jesus. Look at what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's all about Jesus. It all points back to Jesus, the purpose of God's will for the fullness of time is revealed in Christ. Look at what Paul writes in Galatians 4. Flip over a couple more pages. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption his sons, it all points back to Jesus. The focal point for all of human history in the fullness of time is Jesus. The focal point for all of creation in the fullness of time in God's purpose and God's will is Jesus. How easily we get distracted, how easily we get knocked off course, how easily we get overwhelmed with the things of this world. And y'all, right now is an overwhelming time. You look at what's happening in the world around us, it is overwhelming. But in it all, there is a will, there is a purpose. There is an order, there is a revelation that all is revealed in Jesus. And he has exactly what we need. And he is the way that we can be united to the fullness of time in God the Father. He is the way that we can be united to God's purpose and God's will. It all points back to Jesus. The mystery of God made known is through Jesus. He is the purpose of God's plan displayed. So as you think about your life, is it all about Jesus? As you think about your life, is, is he the focus where your eyes are fixed? As you think about your life, is is he the one guiding and directing the way you look at the events of our world? As you think about your life, is, is Jesus the, the focal point, the, the foundation that, that, that invites you to navigate your circumstances without fear? 
and without worry and doubt. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is the way. And he is exactly what we need. In the fullness of time, God's plan is revealed. In the fullness of time, God's will is displayed. As Jesus Christ comes to offer his life as a ransom for those who will trust in him, that through him we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses and we have the riches of his grace. Do you know him? We're gonna push the pause button there and pick this up next week, beginning in verse 11. Let's go before the Lord and let's ask him to show us what we need to leave here dwelling on and thinking about from his word. Father, we love you and we thank you for the word of God that has been laid before us here that shows us in the fullness of time you in your sovereignty and authority over all things Reveal your plan, reveal your purpose, and reveal your will as you invite us to see Jesus. Oh Lord, it's so easy for us to get focused on so many other things. Oh Lord, it's so easy even for your church to to be consumed with other things. And so Lord, I pray that our eyes would be fixed on Jesus. That the people of God here at Shades Mountain would be a people that are consumed by Jesus, that they are looking to Jesus, that are talking about Jesus, that are grateful for Jesus, that are worshiping Jesus, that are lifting high the name of Jesus, that, that are focused on Jesus above all else. Because the world around us needs to see There is a hope and there is a peace and there is a purpose and there is a way to be right with God, to be united with God forevermore. His name is Jesus. Lord, for those who are joining us today here in this room or joining us online for this message who realize they have never had a personal relationship with Jesus. I pray that today would be the day that they would say, Jesus, I am ready to trust you. I am ready for for my sin to be forgiven. I'm ready to receive the gift of redemption, new life in Christ, rescued from the bondage of my sin, I'm ready, Jesus, to follow you. Oh, Lord, we praise you for the gift of salvation. We praise you that when people call out to you, confess their sin and acknowledge their need for a savior, there is forgiveness, there is grace upon grace upon grace, and there is this beautiful, beautiful gift of redemption. 
Lord, we celebrate who you are and we celebrate what you are doing as we join into this song of celebration that is Ephesians chapter one. Thank you for reminding us of the beauty and the power and the authority of the gospel. May our eyes be fixed on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.